How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything No gifts, no power, no wisdom But I will boast in Jesus Christ His death, the resurrection Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom You were going to ask what's perhaps the most important Old Testament text when it came to ancient Israel. It would be the text that we're looking at today. Some of you will know that it's referred to as the Shema. And the Shema prayer was offered continually. Shema being the first word which is hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. As we look at the text today, there's, there's always this sense for many folks that why is he going to the Old Testament when we really want to focus on Jesus? Because Jesus is in this passage. You recall that Moses at the burning bush 
and I'll keep, I'll admit, I'll keep telling you this. Moses at the burning bush says, when I arrive in Egypt and they say, who sent you to us? You will say, the I am that I am, Yahweh. But then we discover in the New Testament, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. They took up stones to stone him because they recognized what he had just claimed for himself. That Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is Jehovah. So when I look at this passage, it's not a matter of saying, oh, that's Old Testament, Old Covenant doesn't have anything to do with us. We need, with eyes of faith, to see Jesus speaking. There's three aspects I want to bring to our attention today. The first is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. We know from the New Testament when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he quoted here and then said, and the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. Don't go too quickly to the second one without taking in the first one. That what Jesus wants from us is our undivided and complete devotion that we are head over heels in love with Jesus. That what marks my life, what marks my home, what marks my family above everything else is I love Jesus. Should we study God's word? Sure. But we're not primarily called to be Bible scholars. God hasn't given us his word so that we could enter into theological debates. He's given us his word so that we can know him. So that we can know Jesus. I have heard through the years... An argument that goes something like this. Uh, we don't want to influence our kids. And uh, at a proper time, uh, they can make their own decisions. I can tell you that uh, not once with our four boys that I walk into their bedroom on Monday morning and say, uh, there's school today. If you would like to go, you can make that choice, 
but I don't want to influence you on the issue of education. So if uh, you would like to get up and go to school, uh, that, that will be your choice. Especially when they were teenagers, we said, get up! <laughs> Not once. When they came and said, uh, I've got a really sore throat. And I feel a little cold. Did we say, we don't want to influence at all your physical health. If you would like to call the doctor, you do know how to use a phone. Please go ahead and call the doctor, but only if you want to, because we don't want to influence your physical health. I was more than willing to influence what was taking place academically and in school. I was more than willing to guard their physical health as I was able. It just has never made any sense to me that I would not try to influence them for Jesus. That I would not try to demonstrate for them his great love for me, his great love for them. And I believe that where that primarily starts is in our homes. The text tells us this, teach them, but then also says, when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk in the way, etc. I take that, that there may well be times of formality where you're actually teaching children about Jesus your children about Jesus. But I can tell you this from my own experience, the greatest influences on my life ever were made in a fishing boat. My grandmother loved to fish. Last time I took her fishing, she was 86 years old and stubborn. Otherwise you don't fish when you're 86 years old. And she got a large, smallmouth bass on and it ran around the end of the boat and my grandmother has this way back like this and I say grandma you you gotta let me land it and she said no but all kinds of times she taught me about the goodness of the Lord in her life. I wouldn't say that she preached at me if you're worried about, oh, I don't. All she did was tell me over and over again about the love of Jesus, about what a difference he had made in her life.
And did that impact? You bet. I'd be in a boat with my dad for an evening of fishing. And we talked about all kinds of things that boys and dads talk about. Didn't happen every night when we were away. But just because Jesus was an important part of our lives, it just made sense to talk about Jesus. If Jesus is the center of your life, it just makes sense to talk about him. So that we continue to let succeeding generations know how important Jesus is. When we moved here 18 months ago, in cleaning out my dad's closet, I found a little wooden box. I'd never seen it before. I didn't even know it existed. It was all the letters that had been written to and from my dad's eldest brother who was killed in the Second World War. And he had all these, when, when they were sending back his stuff, there were all these letters. And you say, so what's important about that? It was important as I read through from the other side of my family. The faith of my grandmother writing to her son. And in one sense, more importantly, the faith of that son who would ultimately die at Anzio, Italy, but expressing his love for Jesus and how he sensed the presence of Jesus even when he was on the battlefield. So here he is. He was killed in 44. I didn't, I wasn't even born till 56. And here he is in 2021, 2022, by his writings, ministering to me of the love and grace of Jesus. For those of you who are grandparents, don't take it for granted that your grandkids know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. Speak of him often. Tell them, I like to say this, that Jesus has never loved you more than he loves you right now. There's nothing you can do to cause Jesus to love you more and there's nothing you can do to cause Jesus to love you less. He loves you. And the greatest demonstration in all of history, in all of eternity of the love of Jesus, is Jesus being nailed to a Roman cross to die in our place. 
many, if not most here today, have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, and he's made us one. So if this is the first time you've ever been in grassroots, but you know and love Jesus, we're already a part of the same family. I understand that some of us believe that given our backgrounds, like we might be in the upper side of heaven, uh, but uh, there we will be. I'm so glad of this. If you grew up as I did on uh, King James, it says in my father's, John 14, in my father's house are many mansions. Technically it's in my father's house are many rooms. If you're in Jesus today, I'm so glad that we're going to be together in the Father's house. And we'll know the sweet communion of seeing Jesus. We pray, thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus as kingdom livers here and now. I can't help but tell you. I look forward to seeing the king. As Moses pens this, he says, you, your son, and your son's son. What's he saying? Every generation is involved in sharing the love of Jesus. All of us can look back and say, oh, if we were raised in homes where Jesus was loved, oh, well, my parents did that and I'll never do that with my kids. And my grandparents did that and I'll never do that with my kids. And frankly, some people never get beyond that. They're sort of mad at Jesus because of whatever took place of legalism in their past that was somehow wed to the Lord Jesus. Please leave that part behind and continue in your relationship with Jesus. Because I'm well aware of this. I said I wouldn't do what my grandparents did. I said I wouldn't do what my parents did. And now my four boys are saying we're never going to do what dad did. And I'm sure to get even with them, our grandkids will say exactly the same thing when they reach a certain age. So lay that aside. And today, would you do this? If you haven't told Jesus lately how much you love him, would you tell him that today? Just say, Lord Jesus, I witnessed families here dedicating their children. But I want a fresh sense in my relationship with you. I want to tell you this morning how much I love you. I've never tired of one of my sons telling me he loves me. I've never tired of one of my grandkids saying, Grandpa, I love you. And if that's the response of the human heart, how much more the heart of the God-man, the Lord Jesus. We're going to bow for some silent prayer. And I would invite you to talk to the Lord Jesus right now and simply tell him that you love him.
Then Christine is going to come and lead us with the final hymn. Let's bow together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. We tell you individually and corporately now, we love you. Amen.